debut show on the Old North State Tailgate and Traveling Sports Circus presented by the NC Port Council. I'm Chris Edwards. Great to be with Mike Waddell and David Glenn. DG in Wrightsville Beach. Chance to kick off the college football season. What could be better than being here today? I love college football. I love Jimmy's. I'm having dinner at King Neptune's. I'll probably even spring for you guys if you're nice over the next 60 minutes next door. And especially for the locals here, I got engaged in this town and married in this town, right behind Blocking and Driver Hotel. So even though my job takes me to probably 50 different North Carolina cities, this place has a special place in my heart, in part because of great people here, uh, and in part because of great sponsors like Jimmy's and King Neptune. So we're happy to be here, and we thank you for letting us interrupt your music for a little while. And we're excited to talk all of North Carolina football as we get going week one of the college football season a week from today. Only one game in the state today. That's right. Only one game. It was Weber International against St. Andrews. Any St. Andrews fans out there? No, 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 they're not. But, but it's still great. This is an incredible state. A week from tonight, we're going to be at the Duke's Mayo Classic down at Bank of America Stadium. North Carolina against South Carolina. Got some cardio fans out here. It's going to be a great year of college football right here in the Old North State. We're glad to have you here with North Carolina Sports Network. And we're going to talk to a former Tar Heel, Connor Barnett, who joins us in segment number two. But guys, let's talk college football in the ACC. Let's talk about the news of the day, and BG, I'll start with you. It seems like the ACC is revisiting this fall of realignment. Westward expansion now. Stanford, maybe SMU coming into the ACC. What's the latest that you can tell us on the prospect of playing conference games on the West Coast in a couple of years? The crazy thing about this story, and I was responsible for breaking news for most of my 35-year career, is that at any moment I could get a text from an ACC athletic director saying either expansion is going to happen or that expansion is not going to happen. That's how touch and go is. Because you guys know the deal, you need 12 out of 15 votes to approve an expansion candidate, whether it's Stanford or Cal or SMU or somebody else. They've been stuck on 11 to 4 votes in straw voting, in conversational voting. That's why they haven't brought it to an official vote. That means mathematically, I mean, I'm a professor at UNC Wilmington, um, but that doesn't qualify me to know that it only takes one vote to move to go from 11 to 4 to 12 to 3. And you guys know the deal, it's all about the money. If you add new teams, you get more TV money. And all the current schools are arguing over how you divide the new TV money. They're also arguing about how you divide future bowl money and future NCAA tournament money. They're also arguing about how you divide the TV money that's already in place. Because Florida State and Clemson, who get a lot of TV eyeballs when they play football, they say they deserve a bigger slice of that pot. So it's all about dividing the pot. Whether it's 14 or 15 wins in the ACC as it is right now, or it becomes 18 ways, or 16 depending on how many expansion candidates they have. It is a delicate time in the 70-year-old history of the Atlantic Coast Conference, and it could be a different time. Well, I think we'll know by the end of the coming week. We can know by Monday. We can know by the end of today's show. Uh, but it's that touch and go. All it takes is one university president to change his or her mind from a no to a yes. So are North Carolina and NC State tied together? That's the big question because right now it's Florida State and Clemson. We know where Florida State is. We think we know where Clemson is. But North Carolina and North Carolina State, not North Carolina and Duke, North Carolina and North Carolina State in that four vote cluster right now. What do you think makes either Bubba Cunningham and Kevin Guskowitz or the president and NC State Chancellor actually and Boo Corrigan flip that vote? Well, it might not be UNC or NC State that changes. Because remember, if you change the revenue model enough to satisfy, if you change the revenue model to favor TV eyeballs, that doesn't favor the rate back of the targets nearly as much as it favors Clemson and Florida State. So there's a chance one of those two schools changes the vote. But as you know, Mike, in our state, there are, in the big four, there are only two that answer to the state legislature. It's the large public universities. Duke and Wake Forest, they're located in North Carolina. They're private universities. They make decisions on their own. They don't have anybody in the governor's office or the state legislature, you know, telling them what to do. The state and Carolina are independent in a sense, certainly independent of each other. Large public universities. And in the history of the ACC, there was a time that the University of Virginia administration 
on advice from Virginia politicians, were forced to go to bat for Virginia Tech. And sure enough, the Hokies became a member of the ACC after that political suffering uh, more than a decade ago. So it's a guessing game. But it could be any one, two, or even all four of those numbers that become yeses. It's all about how much you divide the financial pie. And keep in mind, a school like SMU is trying to say, we have not for seven years of the ACC and not get any of your team. But what does that do? It leaves more money to spread around the schools that are already in and that makes the debates that much more intense because instead of fighting over 30 million new dollars, it might be 50 million when you add the ACC network's new dollars. And it might be 70 million when you're dividing the TV money in a different way. And it might be 90 million when you're dividing the whole tournament money in a different way. It's all in the math. And these presidents are literally getting new economic models run for them every few days. If we add them under these circumstances, this is how many millions you're going to get in new revenue every year. It's more than a couple million per school. So where it lands in between is what these debates sometimes act antagonistic debates are all about. And it's going to be different school to school because of the revenue sharing agreement the ACC announced earlier this year. Correct. So they've all, once in Florida State, asked for two big things, among others. One was, hey, if we go to the bigger bowl games, why don't we get more money? We know the ACC has served revenue equally literally for 70 years. But in this bigger dollar era of college sports, shouldn't we reward those, whether it's the Tarians or the Blue Devils going far further in the NCAA tournament, or whether it's Clemson or Florida State getting into those bigger bowls, the Seminoles and the Tigers have both won national titles in the last 10 years. FSU won in 2013, Clemson won in 2016 and 2018. They say, they're saying, we are winning more, why don't we get more of the money? That passed. So starting in 2024, they are tweaking how postseason revenue gets distributed. It will not be equal anymore. What they lost their first debate on was asking for TV eyeballs to be rewarded in a different way. And just to, just to bottom line it, when Clemson or Florida State play a football game, they can get an average of more than 3 million TV viewers. When Duke and Wake Forest play a football game, it's more like a million or so. Seven holes in the Tigers saying, if we get three times as many viewers, that's not just a single game, that's on average over a period of years. Why don't we get in that three times the revenue, but why aren't we rewarded for that? That's the essence of the debate. There's a lot of other things in play, geography and academics and sending college athletes coast to coast and all these other sports that don't turn profits. But the bottom line is it's all about the money. And if you get 12 votes that like the new, the proposed revenue model, then the ACC is going to expand. And if you don't get 12 votes, the ACC is going to stay at 15. I want to wrap up this topic. One thought for you as someone who's been in these conversations as an athletic director, as someone who's worked in athletic administration. What are the conversations going on between the athletic director and the chancellor or president of these universities? I tell you, one of the conversations this past week was between the director of athletics of North Carolina and his head soccer coach. Yes. Probably saying, hey, Anson Dorrance, maybe walk back that story about Donald and Stanford dying on the line. Yeah. And that had to be a really painful thing to do because I understand where he's coming from. He doesn't want his Olympic sports to be impeded in any way that, that success by the juggernaut that is the perennial Directors' Cup champion in Stanford. But what are the presidents asking their athletics director? They're saying, make this go away. I want to worry about everything other than this. And that's the problem in college athletics here, is that very few presidents are standing up. Very few presidents are standing up and saying, hey, give me the ball. It's like that old comedy routine, give Calhoun the ball. At some point, Calhoun says, he don't want the best. The, the, the presidents and the chancellors do not want this to dominate their life cycle. They want it to be over, and they want it to be over quick. The trouble is, as David said, this is not a very clear-cut issue. I'm, I'm looking at some of the math, too. What do you add by having two, two Pacific Zone time yeah. uh, schools? And then one central school, how does that help you broaden the number of games that are available now on the ACC network? Are you now able to play one, two, three time zones? How many, you know, eyeballs is that added? There's a lot of stuff that, that is still to come down, but I, I gotta tell you, I still would be surprised if somebody flipped. But just as soon as I say that, David's gonna get a text. So we're gonna just, just keep in mind when it comes to that money. 
Final Fantasy Six and save your TV over. So now we're not only going to play the 12 o'clock games and the 330 games and the 7 o'clock games, we're going to make sure we're going to have a 10 o'clock game for you. Right. And I have four windows instead of three windows. Mathematically, that's a good thing, right? The other part is the ACC network gets more money when it is in households that, that are in the ACC markets. So the long and the short of it is, SMU is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Dallas-Fort Worth has about 30 million TV households. SMR, Southern Stanford and Cal are in Northern California. They have two and a half million TV households. Now, not all of them subscribe to the ACC network. But when you do the math, if, you're, if I'm in a couple million households, and you get the ACC network for nickels per month, for a dollar a year, let's say, round numbers, and now, because we have these three new schools to the ACC, you're paying $12 or $15 a year instead of $1 a year, well guess what? That $10 million a year per household, and it's more than that, so $10 million a year for each $10 million a year if you add a million households. And if it's $20 million a year if you add $2 million households, $30 million if you're flipping $3 million households. And these are just round numbers. This is not public information. But my reporting and my sources tell me it's tens of millions of dollars in new ACC revenue. This is a network revenue, and it's tens of millions in new ESPN revenue. So if you keep stacking tens of millions and then you figure out the debate on how to divide it, that's only that. That is when you expand to the ACC. One ACC senior staffer this week told me, this is crazy. The money, we don't need any more money, but you and I have talked, we've all talked about this. Why do you need this extra money if name, image, and likeness becomes an actual salary pool? And we're talking about the difference between big market and small market needs. If you're able to use that TV money now to pay the athletes direct, that's where this comes to play. And, 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 and it's that's, hard that's a backburner issue. The front burner issue is that the SEC and the Big Ten got signing checks worth 30 million and not more than the ACC schools are going to be getting from their head. That's the immediate. Your issue is longer term, and it depends on how the amateurism model plays out, which is not something we can do a deeper dive into today. But Florida State comes in flat out top of that, that their check is 40 or so million every year. And whereas the SEC and Big Ten are not yet at 70, 80, 90 million, we're talking about school per year. They're on their way there, and that's not speculation. These kind of TV deals are already signed. So the ACC is stuck in a TV deal all the way to 2036 and can only kind of tweak the money. The Big Ten and the SEC are printing money. And Clemson and Florida State are thinking, we got to beat these schools on the field when they can pay, they can upgrade their facilities better, pay their coaches better, pay their assistants better, have bigger recruiting budgets. At some point, a 30 million year deficit against the teams you're trying to beat, at some point, that's going to catch up. All right, let's move on to the action on the field. We were talking about before we started reporting today. Hard to believe the state of North Carolina has never had a Heisman Trophy winner in football. Unbelievable to think about. Is this the year that we get one with Drake May as the quarterback of North Carolina? I didn't even like hearing you say that. Crazy, isn't it? If you think about it, we are the center of the college basketball movement. There are 50 states last I checked, plus some territories. Nobody has better college basketball movement. In fact, for that matter, no state in the country has a better combination of the beaches that are only yards from here yep. and the mountains that are a few hours away. We also, frankly, have better looking women. things to love about North Carolina. We're usually in the conversation. It is crazy. College football's been around a hundred years. Yep. Nobody in our state has ever won an FBS level national title. Shout out to App State. I know you did it three straight times at the FCS level. But in a hundred years, we've never won an FBS national title. And I know the Heisman's been around a little less than that, but it's almost 90 years. That's insane to me. We have, we have had players finish in the top ten. Mm -hmm. Drake May of Carolina, who's probably the inspiration for this question. Yes, yes. Finished tenth last year in the high school. And in Charlie Choo Choo Justice, back before most of us were born. In the 1940s, finished second two years in a row. That, so that's how close we come. Philip Rivers finished seventh. Back in 2003, the great NC State quarterback, Jeff Blake, the great ECU quarterback, finished seventh. But it's crazy to me 
that a state that is great in virtually everything else can't break through with an FDS national title and to this point hasn't broken through for an appropriate Maybe Drake May makes it happen this year, we'll see. Obviously the way you need not only great persons, just it's dog yourself. But generally speaking, the votes go to guys who have been amazing individual statistics. But while playing on a team, but it's in the national spotlight. And he'll bring the national spotlight all the way until November last year at 9 and 1. But then losing the last four, not fourth man out of the high school game. We'll see the Tar Heels in Charlotte next week on our own Sunday tailgate and traveling sports circus. We'll be in Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium to see the Tar Heels and the Gamecocks. Your thoughts on Drake May as a Heisman candidate this year? I love Drake May. I'd like his chances to win the Heisman Trophy if his offensive line comes to play. To me, it all comes down. We can talk about all the receivers, and everybody's talking about Carolina's receivers. Perhaps the best tight end room in all of college football. Great running attack. But if you don't have a center, two guards, and two tackles, keeping the other guys off of Drake May, he's going to have a really long season. And to me, that's the big question mark. North Carolina's had three different offensive line coaches in each of the last three seasons. Okay? It's time. I mean, they, they don't have a lot of time. It's less than one week and two hours until they pick off. And that's the big question for me, Chris. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but if you don't have somebody protecting you, you can, and, and he's not Sam Howell. He's a good running quarterback, and he's not as small and elusive as Sam Howell. Sam really struggled a couple of years ago. He still had a great year, but he struggled a lot of sacks. That offensive line for the Cardinals has to come to play. As the old saying goes, nobody's completing the high percentage of the passes while landing on their back. Yeah, absolutely. But the amazing thing about Drake May is there's a crazy set of, set of statistics where if you look for this is in the last dozen or so years, how many players have had 4,000 passing yards in the same season that they had 650 or more rushing yards, 700 or more rushing touchdowns, 35 or more passing touchdowns? Drake May is one of six guys who have done that. That's why anybody who rolls their eyes about the possibility of him having a special season, those complications are duly noted. But when you're on a list that includes Kyler Murray, Marcus Mariota, Deshaun Watson, Johnny Manziel, and Robert Griffin III, Drake, Drake May is the sixth name on that list. That's a hell of a list. And he's done it without dominating offensive lines. Uh, but yeah, they need Tez Walker to get cleared by the NCAA. They need uh, a reformulated offensive line to block for him against some of his ACC defenses. If the pieces around him rise to the occasion, I don't think Drake May is going to be the one that prevents this story from happening. I tell you, the, the fun thing has to be, what's it like to be in the May household? you got Mark May, who I thought was a great quarterback, but if you look back at his numbers, the Dick Tom era part is, did not throw the football game, and he still put up pretty impressive numbers. Bo May is on the basketball team right now. He's a biscuit guy. He comes in with a big meal of hundreds. But what does it say when Luke May is being known now as Drake May's brother and he's using his national championship ring as a ball marker? And there's no other ball. Well, he won a national championship in Florida. Like, that's a heck of a family. Well, it's just like Mark May. It, it, it could not be a nicer guy. Morgan Scholar, brilliant guy, worked so hard to get over a major speech impediment to become a, a great speaker and a great leader, but an incredible father. And, and in this day and age, if you look at the way Mark and his wife have raised those kids, it really is a testament to what they've done. And, you know, all except for one of them, I guess, ended up going to Chapel Hill. You have to ask him, why'd you go to Florida? I mean, that's what I'm saying. They are one of the most amazing sports families in the history of the state of North Carolina. You being the pro that you are, you would quickly add, well, the Clark family is yeah. yes. yes. Anybody who saw Casey play at Carolina or Connor, I guess, did certainly was a superstar here at the high school level here in the Wilmington area. Uh, that superstar at Carolina. And that that's why Connor always buys the drinks around here. There he is. Now, he's actually, he's, he's a prince of a guy away from football, but that is another really impressive family. Their, their dad, Tom, is a university professor I've gotten to meet as well. Casey was a fun guy to interview when I got to interview him. And I'm not kidding, I told Connor this. 
still know. I mean, I just sat down with Dabo Sweeney, one of one this year, one of the most famous college football coaches of our time. I just talked with Mike Sosowski a week ago, one of the most famous college basketball coaches of our time. I've got you know, Governor Roy Cooper sitting down with me one on one to talk sports, not the other stuff. This coming week. And Connor Bart is in the 90th percentile of the people I've interviewed. Just in terms of, I mean, he's the kind of guy could sit down next to me and I would just talk questions and smoke a cigar and have a beer because his questions are always thoughtful and insightful and intelligent. And he's, he's, he's a handsome and charismatic guy as well, which makes me want to punch him sometimes. <laughs> you can't give one guy all of those qualities. It's not fair to the rest of us. Uh, but seriously, I'm so glad he's here with us today. And if we do, and, and why not? I need content for ncsportsnetwork.com. What I do with the great sports families in the history of North Carolina, we got a lot of fun material to dig through. I think we need to come back to Jimmy's again and interview the, the Barth family as a whole. Count me in. All right, guys, let's wrap up this opening segment. When you're planning your next tailgate, think North Carolina Pork. The North Carolina Pork Council is proud to present, represent thousands of family farmers across our state who want to remind you that every good tailgate should include your favorite type of pork. Find great recipes using barbecue, bacon, sausage, and more at ncport.org. The North Carolina Pork Council, the foundational partner of the North Carolina Sports Network. We'll come back to Jimmy's in a moment and talk to one of the favorite sons of Wilmington, Connor Martin. That's next on our Old North State tailgate in Welcome back to Jimmy's, where our Old North State Tailgate and Shadowland Sports Circus continues. Presented by North Carolina Pork Council, I'm Chris Edwards with David Glenn. And the legendary Woody Graham once said, Good gosh, Gertie! But this guy made a couple of kicks. Connor Barth joining us. Connor, thanks so much for joining us here at Jimmy's today. Thanks for having me. I feel like I'm at home right now. This is great. Uh, Connor, you hold the North Carolina record. 54 made field goals, made 19 straight field goals. First team all ACC as a senior. 10 years in the NFL. Uh, now back here at home in Wilmington. What's life like for you now? What are you up to these days? I'm just uh, doing all kinds of different things. Uh, building houses, doing some photography. Uh, I'm part of the Bruce Art Rockets. So I'm just really dabbling a lot of things. My dad series always said to make sure I don't always put football first and make sure I have other stuff to fall back on. So I'm just doing a bunch of different things, staying busy and staying active. Well, why was it important to you? Why was it important for you to come back and make your hometown of Wilmington your home base? I just, uh, just the support. I mean, uh, just growing up here, I lived here in 1996 and just, uh, just seeing everybody who supported me throughout, throughout the years is just amazing. And uh, coming back here, my family's here, I just came in up at the beach and uh, all my friends are here. Just, it's been out in the water today. It was, it's a lot of fun to say, well, what power did So, uh, but it's just a great place to be. And just everyone's so nice and it's a, it's a welcoming place. Most of the coaches you talk to at every level of football are tired of talking about transfer portal, they're tired of talking about NIL, but they love talking about football as a life lesson. And those of us who didn't play beyond a certain level just don't know, like, how corny is that when you hear it? Or does it resonate with you that you learn life lessons because of whatever, the discipline, the teamwork, or some other aspect of what has become America's most popular sport by a lot? No, I mean, it's just, I mean, what you learn, in that, you know, in the football center, in the locker room, is just something, it's just, it's unbelievable, it's great knowledge, and uh, it's setting up for everything else I'm doing now, it's just, you know, I played football for 10 years, and now I'm taking all those things I've learned, and I'm just continuing to work as hard as I can, everything I do, I mean, I've been hanging out work for the last 10 days, so like, I always, whenever something comes in, I'm doing it, I've always learned that you work hard, and you just keep on working, and so it's, it's starting football, and I just continue to do it, and other things in life. I, I want to talk about the journey from starting to, t to kick to get to the NFL. A lot of practice, a lot of hard work goes into that. When did you realize, that, okay, I've got a knack for kicking the football, and maybe this is something I can pursue at the collegiate level. Maybe you got to get lucky to get to the NFL. Um, you know, I played soccer, and then I went to a few kicking camps, and I noticed I was winning every camp. And I was only a freshman and sophomore, so I was beating out two years in high school. That's when I realized, hey, I might have a shot at this. You know, soccer was always my first love, but I realized I wasn't quite good enough to probably play at the, uh, you know, in Europe where you're getting paid big bucks. And so someone said, hey, I'm going to go play uh, football for free. You can sell a shit and play football for free to college. I was like, that sounds awesome. So uh, I kept at it, and, uh, you know, I came up. If I could follow up to that, you talked about playing soccer. 
growing up playing soccer. Talk to us about the art of kicking because it's different to kick a round ball versus a pigskin shaped ball like a football, right? Yeah, so we're working with the uh, Hodder kicker right now. He's a He's never really, he's, he's, he's a baseball soccer guy, so I'm trying to teach him a little bit. It's just a different swing, you know, you know, your knees over the ball when you're taking the soccer ball, because you're trying to go out and knock the crossbar, where in football, you're trying to put the up the crossbar, so, you know, even my soccer buddies, I always, you know, I can, I can do this, and like that, and they always just hit line drive. But it's such a, I mean, it's such a different swing, where you just got to work at it, it's like golf, I mean, you just got to go, and you got to, I mean, it is a fine-tuned machine, and uh, the coolest thing I see is that, the best kickers make more effortless. If you look at a Justin Tucker, I mean, he hits 360 yards right now, like it's, a, like it's, a, it's an extra point. So he just makes it effortless. So it's just working on that. When was, sorry, when was the aha moment for you? Like, wow, okay, I got it now. I know how to kick, to kick him to the next level. Um, probably my freshman year, um, I just started hitting tons of touchdowns and kickoffs. And then um, and my senior year, I went 20 for 21 in high school. And that's, I think I still was playing at the time. I couldn't really tell them because so much shorter in high school. Both the referees looked at each other and they pretty much tossed me a perfect season. I'm like, oh, I, I, I think that would have tied the national record for most field goals in the season. But uh, when I went uh, 40 for 21, I knew uh, I, had, I had something going on there and um, he was lucky enough to have a chance to win and I'm going to out there in second quarter. You and I have been in events where I was the guy in the tuxedo, master of ceremonies, speaking to the thousands of people or whatever. My son would say, Dad, why do you not be freaked out either by how many people are watching or listening? Or I feel different radio TV versus live. It just feels different. You have to sometimes, under highly pressurized circumstances, you're doing your job where sometimes 80,000 or more people are watching. What is the best way you can share to someone who will never be in that moment how you approach that minute leading up to that kid? I mean, you're just like, you've done it, it's so weird, you've done it so much in practice that it's almost like I'm the second day, so that's what I'm trying to teach these kids now. It's like, do everything I say in practice, like I know the game, and it just translates. I'm joking, though, but I just, I just want to get better at it. So, kind of in like a, I'm in a very special outlook now where everyone watches your doctor go, <laughs> I sweat more <laughs> in my life than my girlfriend's right there. She's going to test it every time I pull that boat in now. I'm more scared to do that. I get it. You know what I mean? You know, it's the same thing. I get it's it. like, I'm shaking. I'm going to have joystick. Yeah. First off, Chris Hunter just gave me a bigger boat here. I'm like, shaking. The whole, the whole pool is just lined up watching me down the boat. I'm like, that kid is really easy. <laughs> so, uh, I can, that's how I test it. It's just, uh, I've done it so much. It's been great so much. And it was a thing now that you go out there. When you're in the Zoom, you know, it's just, everything is locked in. Like, you don't hear a thing. And that was, that was a big, that, that's what I knew. I was in my group. I go out there. A human being, though, would know the difference between a 45-yarder when you're up 38 to 3 and a 45-yarder that gives you a chance to beat the top five team in the country. Are you so team-driven that... On a human level, you like almost don't know the difference between those two Yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're thinking about it. Every, every single kid is a different kid. It's a different kid, but honestly, I think what helped me so much in the NFL was when I played in Carolina, we were never bowling teams out. So everything I had was almost like a, a pressure kick. I mean, we weren't, you know, you got guys that take the floor and stay with bigger schools, and they're being teams 45 7. Right. And, 40 yards, just like, you know, if you make it, make it. Every time I had a kick, it was, it was meaning something, which I think was a huge blessing for me. Obviously, I didn't play in the SEC, and we didn't play some, some big-time struggles, but it helped me really translate to the NFL, because I was able to really, everything was meaningful. And when you get NFL, every even in the preseason, they were watching it every time. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's important. Let's talk about those kicks. You obviously had some big kicks to beat Miami when they were in Chapel had some big kicks in the NFL, too. As you think back over your career, college, NFL, what kicks stand out as the ones that when you're telling stories in a bar setting like this, and these are the stories you're going to tell over the house? I mean, obviously, the, the one that put me on the map was the Miami game, obviously. Uh, when I was a freshman, I had hair down my shoulders. Everyone thought I was surfer guys. Smoking, smoking, joking. <laughs> but I never drank nothing. And, uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I just went out there and um, remember Coach Powell, the running back coach. He, he came over to me before the game and he goes, Hey man, don't eat yellow snow. I was like, huh. I didn't get it until about 10 days later. He's just trying to calm me down. You know? it's, it's just 
funny, but uh, you know, that was a simple meaningful thing, one of the most uh, you know, memorable stories. But when I got to the NFL, I got cut from the Dolphins, went to Tampa. That same year, I hit 350 yards in one game against the Miami Dolphins. It was really cool. We found that cool payback, you know. So that was a very memorable moment. And uh, I kept one of the Superdome against the Saints when they won the Super Bowl in a 47 yard overtime. I beat them down there. My dad was there. I mean, that place was, I never, the, the floor was shaking. The floor was shaking when I pitched. And when I made it, my, my dad and my hand were up and stands there like, is there in the nosebleeds? So, Awake, when we go to away games, we don't get the good tickets. We get the nose <laughs> So my parents are over there. They're like, I think we just made that. Because right? it just got completely quiet. So that was a pretty cool one. I mean, any game when you get just amazing. But uh, that one, this 350 yards that I hit against Miami in one game is like, just a cool thing. Just kind of show that, hey, I can, I can do this and I can, I can have a career. Because that was my second in the NFL. That's tied in the NFL record. He's one of three guys to hit 350 yards in the game. Well, Chris mentioned the name Justin Tucker earlier, and this kills me about the Connor Bart story. So, an incredibly small percentage of people play in the NFL, period. An incredibly smaller percentage last as long as you did. And then an incredibly small percentage of people end up being interviewed on 60 Minutes, for crying out loud, which is like one of the biggest TV shows literally in the history of America. And you're on all three of those lists, brother. Remind folks, how did the 60 Minutes aspect of the kind of art story I mean, I, so Justin Tucker and I have the same agent, Rob Rose. I mean, I, I probably have to say, I probably, have, I probably think back off of that. Like, you know, it's, hey, listen. But I tried to, if you watched watch the episode, I kept it light. I was talking about how we tried to sneak away. I go to Starbucks. You know, play book. You know, so I was trying to keep it light and really kind of show you, like, literally, during the season, when I was in Tampa, I would go to my meetings in the morning. I'd go to practice till the afternoon. I would literally go to Starbucks in the mall, sit in there, get on my computer, watch YouTube, hang out for three, four hours, and show better than me. As long as you make the kids, play with the ball, train the game. Yeah. 
I mean, it all starts with him. They always say, if you got a quarterback, you got a chance to win a lot of games. I'm excited to see the defense. I think that, you know, obviously they score a lot of points. Our defense can just, you know, step up, get some pressure on the quarterback, um, you know, take a little pressure off Greg. You know, I don't want him to have to do everything. Uh, if we can hold teams to, you know, 21 points, I think we can win a lot of the games. And, uh, but the game counts are scary. And they, they can't, they, they're playing good football. So uh, it'll be a fun. I'm going to be, I'm going to have a nice watch. We're going to go in the game. This is a college game. They all have this. We're going to stay at home, watch it. And just enjoy having a nice little watch party in the house. But I'm excited. I'm really excited for Drake. I don't think I've had this much excitement in a long time as a guy that I think should have been in New York last year. I think that, I, I think for that kind of season, it should have been up there. But uh, I'm hoping this year he just kind of just enjoys the day moment because this is his last year. He's going. Yeah, going for us. I hope he really steps, takes a step back, enjoys it as a leader, and just takes a couple on his back. And like I said, it starts with him. He's going to set the tone. So I'm excited. I'm, I always have high, high hopes, high predictions, um, but uh, I'll take one game at a time and have a great day. You're about two hours plus anytime you want to get to your own water. How often are you kind of doing what you just described, enjoying it from home with friends versus even getting to chat with you or something I love, uh, I the house, but sometimes it's, it's easier just having fun over the walls of the house. Casey and I, uh, we're always, we're always trying to find a couple games to get back to. Let's go up. They're always asking me autograph sessions and all you've been up to do all these, you know, sometimes you just want to grow up and be a college student in and, and enjoy going to Bob's, have beers, and, uh, and uh, go on the sideline and hang out. So um, we're going to be spending a lot of time, we'll walk for a couple of games, but uh, now that we have the new boat, we're going and taking that down to the Lazy Pirate to watch games and all you're going to do is watch the gym. So it's going to be a lot of fun with it. Man, you're probably starting to push me out. I was at the lake, Lake Gaston, and I was the only person so bad off to drive one of those pontoon boats, and, and the boat took a little dip unexpectedly. I don't even know what or how it happened, but I'm very, very nervous in my entire life. But you describing docking the boat, that is how I felt in that moment, because there was like 20 people on my pontoon boat, four little kids, and I'm thinking, I'm just it's definitely all these people if I don't think this right. You know, it's, uh, you know, there's a thing called a qualified captain trying to stay off that. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> trying to stay off the qualified captain. That's the main thing. I've been, I've been, you know, I had a little bit, but so you can push that off the same more pretty easily. This one I have mine. It's like 13,000 pounds. Yeah. There's no seat toes coming to the rest of And I don't really want to do that. I'm going to do it's not, but like I said, take a field goal is easy. Take a field goal is easy. Let's go this thought. Give us a win total for the Tar Heels this fall. Win total. That's tough right there. I mean, so, the, so now we, there is no, the conferences have been separated now, right? So, so, I mean, there is no, there's no Atlantic in the game. So, it's going to be tough, man. I mean, I'll get 10 wins. If he plays the way he did last year and our defense steps up, I, 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 I don't like to say we don't defeat him, but I don't see why we can if we play the way he did. It sucks a lot, but like, you, you don't see anybody like they want to beat. Max is a great coach. It sucks with them, man. If they got they got show them every Saturday and do a job, but they got the talent. I mean, it's, it's amazing and nicely, and uh, so I'm excited. But I think it'll be a fun season. Uh, let's, one game at a time. I'm going to do two more games. Welcome back to Jimmy's where we continue with the old horse Tailgate and traveling sports, so it's Mike Waddell rejoining me, Chris Edwards, David Glenn with us in North Carolina. It's probably one of the nation's leading pork producers. Everyday thousands of family farmers across North Carolina work hard to raise healthy, nutritious, pork-safe, responsible, and sustainable ways. Learn more about support.org, the North Carolina Pork Council, the foundational partner of the North Carolina Sports Network. Guys, we were talking about quarterbacks in the first segment. I want to circle back to that. 
great about Heisman Trophy's candidate for the church, but when you look at the quarterbacks that have come out of our state, let's look at North Carolina State, Philip Rivers, Mike Brown, Russell Wilson, and more. NC State has been able to capitalize on that success. You think about the 10 last season, Wolfpack had with Philip Rivers. I love the game ball, beating Notre Dame. You look at East Carolina, Jack Dwight made the best pro to come out of East Carolina. They won the beach games, good in the state. Well, number one, it's a weird story at UNC. Keep in mind, the NFL has been around for 80-some years. And it was not until T.J. Yates during the Butch Davis era that Carolina sent a player to the NFL who became a starting quarterback. That's this century. That means the entire 20th century went by 100 years of football and Carolina did not produce one starting quarterback for the NFL. So T.J. Yates did was that for Butch Davis. But while Yates was in Chapel Hill, they maxed out at eight weeks. We all know that Sam Howell has become an NFL. He's now the star in Washington. But they maxed out at eight wins with Sam a couple years, a few years ago. Uh, in between, Mitch Trubisky was the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. And he actually started for four years for the Chicago Bears. But that was the right of the door here. One year, Mitch Trubisky is the starter, and they maxed out at eight wins. So those other stories that you're talking about, Chris, when, when your planets align, like when East Carolina had Scott Rogers as their offensive coordinator, a guy named Jeff Blake, you got to be old enough to remember him, but he started for, he started for eight years in the NFL. And he spent like 15 years in the NFL. When he was on campus, and Bill Morris was the head coach, and Steve Edwards was the coordinator, ECU had, and this is not an exaggeration, the greatest season in the history of the sport. They went 11 1, they beat the Wolfpack in the Peach Bowl, they finished the other nine in the final bowl. I'll save you the work of doing the research. That's the greatest season in the history. And David Phil Cruz exists. Chuck Amara, 2002. And how many times the Wolfpack has won 10 more games in the history of their school? One. Hudson does it every year. Alabama does it every year. Georgia does it every year. State's done it once in the history of their school. And it was when you had Chuck Amato, excellent recruiter, special quarterback, Philip Rivers, who goes on to start for 15 years in the NFL. And they cashed in. When the planets aligned, you got to cash in. Carolina did not. They cashed in with nice seasons. But in modern college football, eight wins is not a special season. And that was their ceiling with T.J. Yates and Mitch Trubisky and Sam Howell. Now, Drake May got him to nine wins last year. But it would be another massive missed opportunity if Drake May moves on to the NFL, probably is a very high pick. And Carolina doesn't have a more special season. Nine is nice, but nine and five after those four losses to close the year, it's hard to call that special. Uh, it's, a, it's a subjective activity. You can call it special if you want. I'm going to call it nine and five special. They got a chance to win the ACC title, they got killed by Carolina. They had a chance to win a high drive or a high profile home game. They lost that game. So it's still a nice season. And Drake May deserves credit. He's the ACC player of the year. Carolina hadn't had more wins since Lawrence Taylor in 1980. But the planets are aligned. And Carolina has to cash in because Mac Brown's not getting any younger. And when you have a Hall of Fame coach and a high caliber quarterback, if you don't cash in, it's one of the biggest missed opportunities in Carolina football. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you're not exactly right when you talk about Carolina quarterbacks. But they've had a great history in football with a lot of thousand-yard running backs. And I look back to one of the seasons that really means a lot to me as a person who grew up a Carolina fan. But the first three games of the 1981 season, when Kelvin Bryant was going wild, and then he tears his just his partner, the thing that would have been a 10-day injury to that. And he was going to run away with big records that year. Whether or not he won the Heisman, it's hard to tell. But you had guys like Amos Lawrence, Kelvin Bryant, Tyrone Anthony, Don McCauley, great running backs that were at Carolina. But that's really the, the, the history of Carolina football. They've never really been able to get over the top. And, and, and this is a special season. There are a lot of Carolina fans. I didn't miss a home game from 1960 
an OUNLV team that look like an NBA squad that could also beat you up in an alley if necessary. And the, the, the Blue Devils beat that third Florida team on their way to the first national championship coach team. Call that miracle, call it whatever you want. It happened, and we will have it forever. To get back to the original question, do I think many of these will happen? Do I think even one of these will happen? Maybe not. But dude, Celtics host clubs on national TV on Labor Day night, and we're there with the old sports day tailgate tour, and our game day spectacular, and traveling sports circuses, I like to call it. But you also versus a lane in the year that might be a top 10 point, a top 10 team by that point, a demolished maybe, as we said here during the show today, expected it. But maybe Sam Hart and the others are even more highly right now than, uh, than they are right now by the time they hit the demolished way they can see. Every team in our state has something like that. Charlotte 49ers go to the swamp and play the Florida game. So I think they have much of a chance to But when I talk about it in that time, as our chance to shop the world, Carolina has the most ones. I know they'll be a heavy underdog. I know Clemson usually wins the ACC football title. But I also know that I think it was 2001, actually, Tyler teammates were on this team. They would have danced the Heisman Trophy candidate at Clemson. Clemson's ranked in the national top 10 or 15, and the Cardinals went and beat the Tigers in Death Valley. Now, it's been 20 years since they did that at Death Valley, which I'm happy that it's not insane to think it can happen again. Wolfpack gets Clemson at Carterfield Stadium. Now that wouldn't be as shocking world as at State Farm or Texas A&M. But everybody that we've talked about today has at least one or more opportunities to shock the world. Usually it doesn't happen, but the chance to do that is where it makes his fun. You can't, you, you never want to say never. Especially to these kids. When I was the director of athletics at Towson, we had a money game, $510,000 to go play in Death Valley at LSU. Okay? Armin Katayan, 60 minutes. Dragan Mahalovic, former WCHL guy just like us. They, they embed with us. They go in there. Armin Katayan's book, The System, there's a chapter about our trip down there. And he's, I said, why do you want to go on? And the producer, executive producer, 60 minutes at the time, the guy named Bill Owen, he said, well, we want to be on board with one of these sacrificial land games. And our coach heard that, and everybody heard that, and we told our team, and then we went down. Until the last 20 seconds of the first half, we're winning, okay? At halftime, I can see Joe Oliva, the former Duke AD, who's at LSU at the time, and say, hey, Joe, for 510 extra thousand, we will come out of the locker room in the second half. I mean, you do not want to tell kids that they can't do something. And I guarantee you, that's why, I mean, every one of those kids in Carolina, they remember what it was like to lose those last four games. They want to come out and prove something. They've got something to prove. NC State, they want to get over next night. Dude, do you think Duke's not salivating at the opportunity to exit Camp Wallyway and go up against Dabo and the Tigers and shock the world? That's going to be a heck of a game and a nice homecoming of sorts for Will Shipley, who's from Charlotte, of course, but he wants to come back to the state and play hard. There are a lot of opportunities, and, and, and you never want to say never to these kids. Well, one of the quick ways, Roots does get a host of our state this year. Now, the Seminoles are expected to be very good. Wakers actually done pretty well against Florida State and under Dave Flossie. So getting that University sale would be the Gideon's version of having that chance to shop the world. Let's talk about East Carolina for a second. The American Athletic Conference looks vastly different than it did a year ago at this time. There is no Houston, there's no Cincinnati, there's no Central Florida. Tulane is still the dominant team right now in the American Athletic Conference. They won the Cotton Bowl, had a great year last year. With the new look of the American Athletic Conference, can East Carolina start to contend not just to be to the top of the conference, but to win the conference on a family basis? My answer is that should be your goal. I mean, they have a good coach in Mike Houston. The guy has won literally everywhere he has been. When he was at the North Lions, he took him to the Division II National Championship game. When he was at the Citadel, he got a place to win. He had the National Top 15. When he went to James Madison, they won the FCS National title. And when he took a hard ECU job, at the time the Pirates did not have much of the cover. After a couple of rough years, he's taken over the back-to-back bowl invitations. 
So you have the right coach as long as you keep it. And I think that the landscape that you just painted there, Chris, is essential. Because the Pirates haven't won a conference title since they were in Conference USA. It's the Colts. Correct. Back to back with the Colts more than a decade ago. And they, they felt like they could be a heavyweight in that race. Well, that new world about the window of opportunity is now cracked again. Because the AAC, the current conference of the Americans, they've only had eight football championship games. A lot of weeks took a while to adopt that format. Five of the eight winners of the AAC football title game are no longer members of the league. So, Central Florida did it, they're gone. Cincinnati did it, they're gone. Houston did it, they're gone. So why not flex your muscle and say, we have a bigger stadium than most of what it remains are the Americans. And I'm in favor, by the way, if you say you want some pasta for a Big 12 invitation someday, they're not going to get into the ACC anytime soon. And the people in Greenville who have been talking about that simply don't know what we're talking about. Go to ncsportsnetwork.com for a far more intelligent and less delusional version of that story. But go ahead and campaign to be united with whatever's left of the Pac-12 and some Mountain West. I'm, I'm cool. Aim high. I'm all about that. But under your current circumstances, not only should you aim high, the neighborhood is less scary. There just aren't teams to be afraid of the way UCF was building a monster based on that high school talent in football. And Cincinnati was building a monster with a great coach and good Ohio high school football. And Houston, you know, got on a roll there for a while. They're all gone. So I know Tulane's supposed to be good and is supposed to be good. There are other contenders, and the Pirates did lose a lot of talent. Whether it happens this year or in the next few years are two different things. A bunch of USC but guys. The Pirates yeah. are absolutely positioned to become a bullet in the new version of the American Athletic Conference, and I hope it happens. That 1991 team at East Carolina, yeah. that was a bullet team. They, 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 they beat you up. Billy Lewis had a, had a thing going down there. Ed Embry back in the day had teams going to East Carolina. Ruffin McNeil should never have been gone from East Carolina. But, but Mike Houston is the guy that will bring them back. I, I, I root for him for the reasons you said. I mean, the guy is just a ball coach. And, and in this day of so many coaches being CEOs and media personalities, to see guys like Mike Houston, Sean Clark, Mike Elko, Trey Lamb, I'm going to go back to that person. They're my guys. They're just ball coaches. And their kids love them. They adopt their personalities. And you've got to just kind of root for those kids. Let's wrap up the show with this thought, talking about teams across our state. You mentioned Appalachian State earlier. Some big wins for Mountain Eagles last year. Finished 6-6. Six six. Is this an Appalachian State team this year that can return to the top of the Sunbelt Conference? Michael, I'll start with you as the former voice of the Mountain Eagles. It is a good challenge. I mean, uh, there are a lot of patrons in Booth. You know, they're used to Jerry Moore winning championships. They're used to seeing, you know, wins go up. You know, uh, Eli winning, you know, Satterfield winning. Sean has won, but he needs to win this year because, I mean, that, that Texas A&M win lifted them up because they had some big games. That Coastal Carolina game, midweek game down in October, I go to a game now. When the boys from the beach come up to the mountains, you bet better, you're, you're at 3,333 feet, baby. You better watch out because there's going to be an altitude warning to those beach boys. And nothing against the beach. But but I got I, I got to go for Appalachian, but it's going to be tough. That league is sneaky tough. Georgia Southern, Georgia State, and then the Georgia State's head coach is Sean Elliott, who is a teammate of Sean Clark in Appalachian. So that's always a nasty game. But that coastal Appalachian game could really be a, uh, it could be a head turn in a lot of wins. And don't forget, Troy's in that league as well. He had a great game in Appalachian in last year. And remember, Sean Clark started there 9-3 and 10 four. Those are the kind of records App State fans are used to see. We're all looking up to remember three straight national championships before they jumped to App State because the great coach Jerry Moore. But the reality is there have only been five conference championship games in the Sun Belt since they adopted that format. Mountaineers have played in three of the five and won two. But the two conference championships, one was under Scott Satterfield, now it's Cincinnati. One was under Eli Drinkwitz, now it's Missouri and the SEC. So they've gone on to, to bigger and better things in the airport. Sean Clark has to earn that strip credit. And he has to earn it with the Sun Belt Championship being the boy. 
every school in our state has different expectations in football, just as the same school might have different expectations in men's basketball versus football versus other sports. App State is a football-driven university and athletic department, period. And when they went 6-6 six six last year, I hit you with a number. In the last 30 years, they had also had one non-winning season. So when you go 6-6, six and six, people look at you fine. Even though you almost beat the Tar Heels. Even though you went to Texas almost don't get <laughs> you got to be better than 6-6 six six in that state, especially when you've been there a few years. So it's, it's an important season for Sean Clark. And you talk about the investment that's being made in football, what could be done in East Carolina. I'm not quibbing to what their plans are. But at Appalachian State, they're talking about a $100 million investment in addition to what they already have, which is a pretty special place. I think I've paid $25 million a year to send my daughter there for the last four years. It's, so they can just use my $100 million to take care of it. When Sean told me that over the spring, when I went up to sit down with him, I said, why are you going to build for $100 million? Because i got to tell you, from when I was there, 97 through 2000, all the parking lots are now dorms. I mean, there is no space left in boot. So they're going up, and, and that place could be, uh, it, it's going to be an erector set, but it's going to be a pretty impressive thing. They're going to match suites on both sides, and it's already it's already the most beautiful football stadium in this state. And, I love it. And just to be clear, as somebody who got a law degree at UNC by paying in-state tuition, and sent a son to ECU paying in-state tuition and a daughter to App State paying in-state tuition. Shout out to in-state tuition. <laughs> because I'm going to perform my own miracle. I'm going to turn water into wine at King Neptune's. As soon as we're done. It's my, it's my version of a miracle. Did you get water, water wine? wine. I Make me think too hard that one. Some the wine, so. And I'm going to be able to afford it because of all that state <laughs> tuition. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Appreciate it. All right, fellas, our time is up. Thanks to our friends here at Jay's for being such a great host. Yay! 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 Yay!